in and destroy. The problem with riches is that people trust in riches. And Jesus gives that context here in the passage. He says, verse 24, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now, in verse 23, he said, those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And then he said, those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is super important that with wealth, when we think of it in our lives, whatever assets we have, things of value, that they really are the Lord's because we... We're, we're taught to look to the Lord, and that he's our provider. We understand that. We know that here tonight. But in the end, it, it all belongs to the Lord. And Paul the Apostle, when he said those famous, the famous, one of the most famous verses of the Bible, Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that passage that he says is based upon learning how to live his life in abundance or to live his life in lack. That famous statement that I can do all things through Christ comes from his human experience that he's learned contentment in the Lord, that he can do all things to Christ who strengthens him when he's got absolutely nothing, as well as having abounding in everything. That powerful statement that's one of the most often quoted passages of the Bible. So the real issue for wealth, Jesus is saying here, is that how hard it is for those with riches into the kingdom of God, because the disposition of riches is to trust in the riches. And you see with older people and estate planning and things like that, the great concern of elderly people is to outlive your money. Does anyone know what I'm talking about there? You raise your hand. Like, you ever talk to your parents and that's their concern? To outlive their money. No one wants to outlive their money. That's the, the concern. And so, but when we say something like that, we're actually trusting in the money to take care of us in our elderly years what you really want to do is sow in other people and the people you've sowed into that they'll help take care of you when you're older, that people that love the Lord. And I've been saying this recently, when you're in assisted living, if you are in assisted living, or you're in memory care, which is even more challenging because you're not, if you're in memory care, it means you're not completely sure what's going on. You want a spirit-filled woman or a spirit-filled man taking care of you. You do not want a carnal person taking care of you when you're older and you don't know what year it is or who you are or maybe even where you are. And we see that every day. Even my wife yesterday being down there in San Diego at her father's place, that third floor, that's memory care. We all have a concern about running, like outliving our money or not being able to pay our bills and things like that. But then you say, well, how much is enough? And Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he said that we're to, you know, that not to worry about what we'll eat, what we'll wear, but as the Lord takes care of the, the swallows and the sparrows, he takes, and then the lilies of the field clothed in their glory, that's what he's got for us. If he takes care of them, he's going to take care of us. He's got it, and he's got our back. So we need to just trust that and to know that. Know the Lord's got our back. My mom, just three days ago, when I saw my mom, she said to me, how are you set up Do you for retirement and stuff like that? I'm like, really? We're having that conversation right now? Okay, so I've paid into Social Security for a year, so hopefully that's still going you know, five to ten years from now. But my, my confidence, I really want my confidence to be in the, the U.S. government to take care of me 10 years from now. I hope not. I figure, like, if it's there, good. If it's not, it is what it is. And we've got four kids we've sown the gospel in. They're all doing quite well in life and their integrity and their character with the Lord. Hopefully they'll help out and take care of us. We own a house in Huntington by God's grace through other people being wise with their resources to bless us with that, mainly our families. But, you know, anything could happen, right? Housing markets flip. Depressions happen. Governments change. People conquer people. Governments conquer other governments. I told my mom, like, listen, I got my plate full today with today. Like Jesus said, sufficient is the trouble for today. I, okay, so we got this, that, and everything else, but really our confidence is in the Lord, and we trust in the Lord. David, who had great wealth in the end of his life, you see him in the Old Testament giving all that wealth away and giving it to the Lord on the back end of his life. He's all the resources to build the temple that his son 
Solomon built. And we understand that, like, like David said, we go the way of all men and we leave it behind. So the thing with the wealth is that God will give us what we need for our needs. And whether we have abundance or little, the idea is that we learn we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we can look to him and trust him in that. And if, we, if he's going to teach us things through prosperity, he's going to teach us things through prosperity. If he's going to teach us things through adversity with finances, he's going to teach us things with adversity. And that's just how it is. But the powerful thing the Holy Spirit said in First Timothy is that those who have wealth should not be haughty, but should learn to be generous with their wealth. And if you study godly men and godly women in church history, what you find in the latter part of their lives, particularly, they're giving almost everything away that they're bringing in because, of course, you can't take it with you. And really, honestly, even the extremely wealthy people that built this nation, like the Rockefellers and Vanderbilt and those types of people uh, back in, you know, the Industrial Revolution and all those things that were happening, they set up, you know, all these different funds to benefit humanity and society because sooner or later they figure out, too, you can't take it with you. Nothing goes with you except the legacy of your life, what you did in faith or unbelief with the Lord, and how that, what that produced through your life and its effect and impact on humanity. So the great challenge Jesus makes clear here is that people with a lot of wealth trust in their wealth. It's a natural disposition when you have wealth to trust in your wealth. And again, David said this best, some men trust in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord our God. And that came from a man who was affluent. And, of course, Abraham was very affluent, and Abraham was a man of faith. And that which was most valuable to him, he was not with, did not withhold from the Lord his son when he was tested in his faith. So the real issue is never about the things of the temporal. They just meet the needs to keep us going forward with what God's doing daily with the spiritual in our life. That's what it's about. So the warning's there. Those who trust in riches, it's hard. But the thing that he says after that in verse 26 is, again, it says they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who can be saved? Because they associated wealth with prosperity from the Lord. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And in the context of financial blessings, obviously there's a long history of godly men and women who have been very successful with finances in the history of the United States particularly, and have invested that wealth greatly in ministry and to the kingdom of God. Not the least of which would have been J.C. Penney, the original founder of the Pennies, and Hershey Chocolate, the Hershey family, the original founders of Hershey Chocolate, very generous Christian ministries. Billy Graham in his evangelistic, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, he had all kinds of huge financial supporters for the crusades that he did. And I would imagine Greg Laurie has some pretty big givers with the gift of giving that, that drive the harvest. I mean, you can't just do Dallas Cowboy Stadium outreach. You know, someone's paying a lot of money for that. So people give and make that happen. So it's worth noting that there, there is a history of very generous people. And it's kind of a saying, if you're planting a church, there's two things you need in a church plant. People with the gift of giving and evangelists. People that win souls and people that understand that can help support the ministry so it can stand. And all things are possible with God. So when people who are controlled by wealth give their life to the Lord, it can be something really special where the Lord gets a hold of them and they can do great things with that wealth. Recently reading the biography on Joe Gibbs, the great NFL football coach and owner of Joe Gibbs Racing, very he's in two Hall of Fames for his skills as a coach and owner, which is incredible, in two different, completely different sports, and he's the most successful car owner in the NASCAR right now to this day, but 
in his biography, he talks about where he was a professing Christian but didn't trust the Lord with his finances. And he went through about six years to hold off of bankruptcies from bad investments in Texas, it's public knowledge, where he and his wife had to live almost like uh, during the Depression with coins and stuff for six years to avoid filing bankruptcy and to quit going after get-rich-quick schemes and to learn to fully trust the Lord with their finances. When he started Joe Gibbs Racing, he did it with 16 volunteers, his son being the most prominent one, the one who just passed away from uh, a physical infirmity right before the Daytona 500. His son was the boss underneath him, and they built Joe Gibbs Racing, one of the most successful Christian organizations on the planet to this day, by faith but and with finances. And he sows bountifully in ministries through what they generate from Joe Gibbs Racing, and if you work for Joe Gibbs at Joe Gibbs Racing, every time they win a race, every single employee gets a portion. They take 10% of the earnings, and it goes to all the employees. And every time they win a race on Monday morning, they're there on the wall, and they hang the banner for whoever just won the race, and they stop the business, and everyone, they all win together. See, that's, that's what you can do when you love the Lord and you've learned that money is just a means by which to bless people while you're headed toward eternity and you can shine for the Lord. And when I was at Joe Gibbs Racing, there was nothing offensive to the Lord in the entire facility. I did a tour of everything when I was there with the Olympic coaches and you could just sense the presence of the Lord everywhere from the engineering to the car design to where they practice training, the uh, pit crews and all that they do. And there was diversity in the people and meeting people where they're at, but that whole... That whole thing, well, when you walk through the door, there's Joe Gibbs' gospel track on the front counter when you meet the secretary. You see the four cars they have on NASCAR's main circuit and the Joe Gibbs' gospel testimony. And then their statement of purpose, which is to do things that are impossible with man, but possible with God to the glory of God. So that's Joe Gibbs Racing is a classic example of what Jesus said right here. With man, it is impossible because it's our disposition to hold on to wealth, to control wealth, or manipulate with wealth. But when Jesus Christ gets a hold of our life and our lives and our resources belong to him, then we can be used as conduits to sow bountifully, and God can do great things in and through us. So those are the lessons. Because the context is that it's impossible. It's impossible for men to let go of wealth and women. We, we, it tends to own us, but with God, it's not impossible. So when we're touched by the Holy Spirit and we have a heart for people, we have a heart for the Lord and a heart for people, then our resources can truly become the Lord's, and then we learn how to sow bountifully and share that with other people, and we see the fruit of that. I was speaking with a young man this week who felt led in their ministry to set aside a larger portion of the finances of their ministry to missions and make different commitments every month what they were doing and lo and behold this month this last month they had doubled their normal income as a church and he was just talking about how excited he was to take that step of faith and speak that step of faith like to to back your words let your yes be yes and he said hey this is what we're doing and we're going to do this and then all this extra money came in, and it's to the benefit of the ministry they wanted to help in the month of March. 